Welcome to the World Series, Mr. President. Hope you enjoyed the game. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. Oh, I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. Just barely. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast uh, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. Up in Grand Rapids on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for you. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week, I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, an all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com, just trying to keep up with it all, much less make sense of it all, but we will do our best as we do every day right here on the world-famous Bradcast. Glad you could join us. Other than the ear-splitting boos and chants of lock him up when Donald Trump appeared at Game 5 of the World Series in Washington, D.C. on Sunday night, there is just a... Mm, redonkulous <laughs> amount of news once again coming over the transom today uh, and over the weekend and even right up until airtime. So the guest that I had optimistically booked to join us today, Desi Doyen, yes. has been canceled. I am kicking her down the road, kicking the can down the road for a day or three at this point. So let's uh, just jump right in here with the news. Uh, sad news in several cases out of Congress over the weekend and into today. Former Democratic U.S. Senator Kay Hagan of North Carolina died on Monday, her family said in a statement. She was just 66 Mm. years old. They said, we are heartbroken to share that Kay left us unexpectedly this morning, according to the family statement. Hagan served in the Senate from 2009 to 2015, She previously served in the North Carolina Senate for 10 years prior to that, when Hagan defeated incumbent Republican U.S. Senator Elizabeth Dole in North Carolina in the 2008 election. She became the first woman to defeat an incumbent woman in a U.S. Senate election. She ran for re-election in 2014, but lost to Republican challenger Tom Tillis, In a very close race, Tillis himself is now thought to be one of a number of potentially endangered Republican senators up for re-election next year. 
which maybe we'll get to a little bit later in the show. Tillis tweeted uh, on Monday that he was, quote, heartbroken by Hagen's passing, remembered her for her, quote, dedicated and distinguished record of public service to our state and nation. Uh, cause of death uh, was not provided by the family, uh, but the news and record, the North Carolina newspaper reports that Hagen was in Washington, D.C. in 2016 when she fell ill and has and was admitted to a hospital with encephalitis. Oh, an inflammation of the brain. That illness led to a months long hospitalization at a uh, rehab center in uh, Atlanta, according to the paper. Her family later said the illness was caused by the Powassan virus. Which is which I've never heard of, which Me is neither. transmitted to people uh, from ticks. In uh, in June, she made a rare appearance at a groundbreaking ceremony for an air traffic control tower in her state, um, a project that she was credited with advancing during her time in Congress, though she did not deliver re- uh, public remarks at the time. Senator Richard Burr, a North Carolina Republican who served alongside Hagan, said in a statement that he and his wife are, quote, deeply saddened by the sudden and untimely loss of his former colleague. He said they worked together across the aisle frequently on issues that we both knew would determine what type of country our children would inherit from conservation to common defense. He said he would uh, that she would be remembered for her tireless work on behalf of the home and the people she loved. Former Vice President Biden apparently visited with Hagan on Sunday, the day before she died, and released a statement saying she was a champion for North Carolina and a fierce defender of all its citizens. She stood for women's rights and marriage equality, not because it was politically popular, but because it was right. As a U.S. senator, she was a crucial partner to our administration, he said to pass both the Recovery Act and the Affordable Care Act, and she was a relentless warrior on behalf of our veterans and military families, particularly when it came to making it easier for veterans to find jobs. As a proud uh, member of a military family herself, the former vice president said, our service members could always count on Kay Hagan to have their back. As the first female Democrat to represent her beloved state, Kay was passionate about getting more women involved in public life. Her legacy of service will continue to live on in new leaders she inspired to follow in her steps. Kay Hagan, former senator from North Carolina, dead at at, uh, 66 years of age. Meanwhile, on the heels of uh, the loss of civil rights stalwart and congressional lion, uh, 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 Congressman Elijah Cummings, just last week, former Congressman John Conyers passed away at the age of 90 on Sunday. The Detroit police said he had died of natural causes. He was in office for 52 years, making him the longest-serving African-American in Congress. He was elected in 1965 and continued to serve up until 2017 when he resigned in wake of several accusations of sexual misconduct against him. He generally denied the charges, saying in a statement at the time, quote, I recognize that in this present environment, due process will not be afforded me. 
Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib won his seat in the uh, 2018 midterms. He celebrated many victories in his lifetime in Congress, according to Detroit's WXYZ. He became active in the civil rights movement before making his own first bid for Congress, and he picked up some very powerful support. He remembered that uh, he said, I was endorsed by Martin Luther King Jr., at Central United Methodist Church. He often said he was flattered to be the only member of Congress ever endorsed by Dr. King. Hmm, I did not know that. He held positions of leadership on powerful committees, including the Judiciary Committee, which he led for many years until his retirement, and was the only member of the Judiciary Committee to take part in the impeachment hearings of both Presidents Nixon and Clinton. The congressman also played a major role in more than 100 pieces of key legislation, including the landmark Voting Rights Act of 1965. In 1968, four days after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Conyers introduced the original bill for a Martin Luther King holiday, just four days after his passing in 1968. He kept pushing for that national holiday, And 15 years later, it was finally signed into law. In a statement that I received from Ted Kahlo, who served as general counsel on the Judiciary Committee under John Conyers, um, and uh, Ted uh, has been a guest on this show several times over the years, uh, Kahlo said that Conyers frequently cited that nearly two decades-long effort to establish the MLK Day holiday to his staff, quote, as an example of how progress is slow, But if you never give up, you succeed, he says. Conyers was also a driving force behind the Motor Voter Bill of 1993, which requires government facilities such as the DMV to give folks the right to register to vote when they came when they come in to get a uh, a driver's license or to update a license. That was something that Republicans have uh, fought hard against for years and still even to this day. Lawsuits are constantly being filed against states all over the country who do not follow the requirements of the Motor Voter Bill, which has successfully registered uh, millions of voters since it was passed in 1993. He was also a force behind the Violence Against Women Act of 1994. He fought for universal health care. And John Conyers was a founding member of the Congressional Black Caucus. He was the only African-American lawmaker in history to mark a golden anniversary in office. But after 53 years on the Hill, his career came to a a stunning and sudden end in 2017 when former staffers came forward with allegations of sexual misconduct. He denied the claims and was defended by uh, other staffers But the uh, congressman who fought so hard for the rights of others did not think he could get a fair shake in his own battle. He retired from Congress the very day he issued a statement saying, quote, I cannot allow the great work of this body to be distracted from their important work or the goals of the Democratic Party to be distracted. Given the totality of the circumstance of not being afforded the right of due process and to preserve my legacy and good name, he said, I am retiring. I hope that my retirement will be viewed in the larger uh, perspective of my record. 
Uh, well, uh, many are today. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer did just that upon his passing. She noted, quote, his impact on our state, whether by spearheading reforms in criminal justice and voting rights in Congress or through his lifetime of civil rights activism, will not be forgotten. As I said, uh, I reached out to his former general counsel, Ted Kahlo, for a statement today. Kahlo worked with him for years and was often a uh, helpful go-between between the congressman and the House Judiciary Committee and, yes, bradblog.com, particularly during the darkest days of the George W. Bush years. And they were dark ones, even though they somehow seem less dark now, given where we are. I don't know, but uh, they were very dark. And... Uh, Conyers' office and the House Judiciary Committee uh, was very helpful in uh, a number of the stories that we covered at bradblog.com over the years. Uh, Ted shared a number of remembrances uh, about Conyers, uh, saying that he cared deeply about his staff, not just as employees, but also as people. He says he's grateful for the many kindnesses, kindnesses he showed to him and his family. He cites his wedding back in May of 2001, where... Conyers surprised him by honoring him with uh, his presence at their wedding. He flew from Detroit to D.C. and back the same day, even though Ted Kahlo had only worked for him for two years at that Aww. point. Uh, he was also well known for his love of and encyclopedic knowledge of jazz, but a few but few knew he was an impressive jazz musician himself. Really? I did not know that. I did yeah, not know that says either. Kahlo. And uh, he notes in uh, 2007, under his leadership... And I, I suspect a lot of uh, longtime Bradblog.com readers and, and Bradcast listeners may remember this. The House Judiciary Committee back in 2007 uh, began an investigation into whether the Bush administration's firing of seven U.S. attorneys was politically motivated because uh, they would not initiate spurious voter fraud prosecutions of groups that registered voters back then. Specifically, they were targeting groups like ACORN, if you remember them. Kalo tells me that Chairman Conyers subpoenaed documents and the White House counsel, who was a, a fact witness, that would be Harriet Myers, and Karl Rove, who was thought to be the mastermind of those firings of those U.S. attorneys, the Bush administration. And it was highly unusual. It was a huge deal at the time that they just fired seven U.S. attorneys and replaced them with apparatchiks. If I'm not mistaken, apparatchiks like Matt Whitaker. Yeah who uh, went on with that credit to become uh, acting attorney general for a time under Donald Trump. Uh, in any event, back then in 2007, the Bush administration refused to comply with any of the subpoenas and witnesses did not show up. Sound familiar? Conyers took them to court and he won a decision that uh, Ted says he predicts will be cited against the Trump administration's current stonewalling of same he said, uh, I received a call on July 31, 2008, that the committee and Conyers had won the case. Chairman Conyers was in a committee hearing. He says, I went in, sat next to him, and as he often did, he said, what's up? I said, the court decided the Harriet Myers and Carl Rove case, and you won. He smiled and was speechless for a minute and then said, oh, boy, <laughs> and reached out and shook my hand, joyful that justice had prevailed and checks and balances were intact. So if you combine that with uh, what uh, John Conyers said about getting that uh, um, uh, MLK Day holiday passed, 
that, you know, if you just keep pushing, it may take a long time, but if you never give up, you succeed. Uh, Well, maybe there's something hopeful in there today. Uh, Ted adds, I will miss him, but I will always be grateful for having the privilege of knowing him. And on a personal note, uh, Conyers appeared on air with me years ago, and he was always very supportive, as I said, of the blog and of our work on voting rights in particular uh, and many other things. Uh, He even guest blogged at the Brad blog back in the day. You can look it up at bradblog.com. I recall a, a kind statement that he sent Uh, For one of our anniversaries at the blog, which I looked up, uh, he wrote, Brad's work is more than just good reading. His insight, his diligence and his staying power make him one of the most informative progressive voices in the alternative media. I guess that's what we were back then, the alternative (laughs) media. And I guess we still are Uh, for all your work, he wrote, and for your unwavering ability to speak truth to power. Brad, I thank you. Very kind note from uh, Congressman John Conyers some years ago. Uh, back at you, Congressman. Uh, please rest in power. And in a related-ish vein, then, speaking of Democrats getting run out of Congress without uh, or at least before full due process, freshman Congresswoman Katie Hill, a rising Democratic star in the U.S. House, announced her resignation on Sunday amid an ethics probe, saying explicit private photos of her with a campaign staffer had been weaponized by her husband and by political operatives. The 32-year-old California Democrat had been handpicked for a coveted leadership seat, However, in recent days, compromising photos of Hill and purported text messages from her to a campaign staffer surfaced online in a right-wing publication and a British tabloid. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said that Hill had acknowledged, quote, errors in judgment that Pelosi said made her continued service in Congress, quote, untenable. The House Ethics Committee had launched an investigation into whether Hill had an inappropriate relationship with an aide in her congressional office, which is now prohibited under House rules. Hill, one of the few openly bisexual women in Congress, has denied that relationship with her uh, finance director and vowed to fight a, quote, smear campaign waged by a husband that she called abusive. But her relationship with the campaign aide, separate from the congressional aide, uh, and this was a woman who both her and her husband apparently had had a so-called thruple relationship with before she even ran for Congress. And uh, then that woman eventually, I guess, came to work on Hill's campaign. Uh, The relationship with that campaign aide, according to AP, became a concern for House Democrats who have made equality in the workplace a priority. On Sunday, after apologizing for the relationship with a subordinate, Hill announced in a statement that she would be stepping aside. Uh, She said it is with a broken heart that today I announce my resignation from Congress in the uh, statement. She said having uh, private photos of personal moments weaponized against me has been an appalling invasion of my privacy. It's also illegal, and we are currently pursuing all of our available legal options She added, however, I know that as long as I am in Congress, we'll live fearful of what might come next and how much it will hurt. Hill's statement provided 
No details on what or when she would actually step down. Hill's office and campaign provided no additional public comment. Pelosi praised Hill in a statement on Sunday for bringing, quote, a powerful commitment to her community and a bright vision for the future, but added she has acknowledged uh, errors in judgment that made her continued service as a member untenable. We must ensure a climate of integrity and dignity in the Congress and in all workplaces, the speaker said. She had uh, this, uh, Pelosi had uh, picked Hill for a, a leadership post. Hill had also been named vice chair of the powerful House Oversight Committee. And boy, uh, between the loss of its chair, Elijah Cummings, last week, uh, and now one of its vice chairs, uh, Hill, leaving the Hill, if you will, if she does, uh, that committee is sure taking a, uh, a hit over these past two weeks at a time when it really needs to be able to focus on the impeachment of the president of the United States. Um her abrupt fall uh, came after uh, a blazing rise, according to AP, when she uh, won the last Republican-held House seat anchored in Los Angeles County, my own home county, uh, part of a route that saw GOP House members driven out of every seat in Southern California. Hill was elected by nine percentage points last year, ousting two-term Republican Congressman Stephen Knight, and captured the district for her party for the first time since 1990. Wow. She uh, had raised uh, more than $2 million so far this year. It looked like she was uh, on, on track for a strong re-election bid in a uh, district that had long previously uh, been seen as a GOP stronghold. And in recent days, uh, her constituents apparently were wrestling with questions about who might have been wronged here and how much it matters and what punishment was actually warranted uh, after Hill had been celebrated as the face of millennial change in Congress. This is what happens uh, so that good people who supported me will no longer be sub. This is what needs to happen. Uh, pardon me. Uh, so that good people who supported me will no longer be subjected to the pain inflicted by my abusive husband and the brutality of hateful political operatives who seem to happily provide a platform to a monster who is driving a smear campaign built around cyber exploitation. She said, I can no longer allow my community, family, friends, staff, supporters, and especially the children who look up to me as a role model to suffer this unprecedented brand of cruelty, adding that she apologizes to the people who have been hurt. She asked the U.S. Capitol Police to investigate potential legal violations for posting and distributing these photos online without her consent. She is divorcing her husband. And while not providing any evidence of abuse, Hill says she turned elsewhere for companionship because of their turbulent relationship and lamented that, quote, the deeply personal matter of my divorce has been brought into public view. The congresswoman released a video statement today repeating much of what she had included in her remarks on Sunday, and she added a few afterthoughts. I'm going to continue to fight for our democracy, for representation for justice and equality and for making the world a better place. And I will also take up a new fight. I will fight to ensure that no one else has to live through what I just experienced. Some people call this electronic assault, digital exploitation. Others call it revenge porn. As the victim of it, 
I call it one of the worst things that we can do to our sisters and our daughters. I am grateful for all of you who have spoken out about this in recent days. As I have before, I will stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves, because there is one thing that I know for sure. I will not allow my experience to scare off other young women or girls from running for office. For the sake of all of us, we cannot let that happen. I never claimed to be perfect, but I never thought my imperfections would be weaponized and used to try to destroy me and the community I have loved for my entire life. For that, I am so incredibly sorry. I am so grateful for the outpouring of support that I have received. I grew up riding horses, and the most important thing that I learned was that when you fall off, you have to get right back up in the saddle. So I'm going to do that. I hope I can count on you to do the same and join me on the next ride. That was uh, Katie Hill announcing why she is resigning from Congress. Freshman uh, Katie Hill, uh, just months after taking office. Uh, Desi Doyne, I know you had some thoughts on uh, all of this today. Oh, I did. I, I don't think that she should have resigned. I think that she should have let the ethics investigation into the inappropriate, the allegations of an inappropriate relationship, that she should have let that ethics investigation uh, com- be completed and, and proceed as it would normally. Because to me, there is very clearly a double standard here, not just a double standard for Republicans versus Democrats, but a double standard for women specifically, because you don't see revenge porn being deployed against men. You only see it against women. And so even if she's not resigning because of the revenge porn that's gone out around her, I think that she should have stayed in anyway just to prove that, hey, this is not, you're not going to get me on this. This is not something that's worth resigning over. Uh, distribution of, uh, of consensual photography is illegal in the state of California. And I think that she should pursue legal options against uh, finding out who did that. But I really don't think that she should have resigned. And I, I don't think that, Democrat, that, that voters ever give Democrats any credit for taking the high road and taking the moral high ground in this type of stuff. So even though they push out some of their best people, they, they don't gain anything from it, exactly. is what you're suggesting. Exactly. Well, I will and tell Republicans, you this. Republican men especially, always get away with this well i would say uh that well they certainly do um but i would say that uh it it sounded like when these pictures uh began to come to life uh, to, to surface last week i think it sounded like she was not going to leave over that however uh that makes me think well maybe there is more maybe you know it is a violation of the house rules if she did have a relationship with an actual staffer we know about the one with her campaign aid but that's not against house but that's rules. not against the Only rules the one that's uh, on the staff so maybe there was more uh that she did have some form of relationship with a staffer that would be a violation of the rules it's not a violation of the law but a violation of the rules. That said, um, you know, Democrats are so uh, touchy about this, the way they pushed out, for example, Al Franken. Um, you know, who knows? Who knows what actually did or didn't happen and whether uh, there will. I, I, I think when you resign from Congress, the uh, ethics commission, uh, the ethics committee drops their uh, investigation, if I'm not mistaken. So whether we. We'll ever actually know what happened here is uh, is hard to know. Former Daily News and Boston Herald journalist Helen Kel- Kennedy responded to all of this on Twitter by saying this is BS. She used a different word, but you get the idea. Republican Congressman Duncan Hunter 
has been charged with wire fraud and other crimes relating to his spending campaign funds on five mistresses, and yet he remains in the House as he awaits his criminal trial. Yes, he's uh, under criminal charges, and he is still in the House. Katie Hill has to leave, however, uh, over a consensual affair. Richard Painter, the former Office of Government Ethics chief under George W. Bush, replied to Katie Hill's announcement on Sunday saying, Nobody cares about your sex life, Katie Hill. Exactly. We do care about the pervert and traitor in the White House. Impeach him first, finish your term, and then do what you will. Thanks for your service. He then added, This is the most ridiculous resignation since Al Franken. Katie Hill should tear up that resignation letter and vote to impeach Donald Trump. Uh, Talking Points Memo uh, reports that some have pointed out the hypocrisy of a consensual, though admittedly inappropriate, relationship politically felling Hill while President Donald Trump, the president of the United States, along with Supreme Court Justices Brett Kavanaugh, and Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, all three credibly accused of sexual harassment and or assault, have all kept their positions. And uh, before we get to a break here, some quick news uh, from the other side of the congressional aisle today. Very quickly, U.S. Congressman Greg Walden, the top Republican on the House Energy and Commerce Committee, said on Monday that he will not seek re-election in November 2020. He is just the latest Republican among many to announce his retirement. Walden is 62. He previously chaired uh, the committee uh, and uh, said in a statement uh, released by his office that he believes he would have been re-elected had he run. But for some reason, he ain't running. He's from Oregon. He's been in Congress since 1999 and is deputy chair of the National Republican Congressional Committee, helping to elect uh, Republicans, but he's quitting. Democrats regained control of the U.S. House in 2018, and Republicans are increasingly skeptical that they will be able to wrest control back in the 2020 elections. According to Reuters, Democrats hold a 36-seat majority in the House. The top Republicans on the House Armed Services Committee, Natural Resources Committee, and Agriculture Committees have all announced they will not seek re-election, as have other senior Republicans. I believe we are now well over a dozen GOP members of the House who have declared they will not be coming back, not be seeking another term in 2020. So it seems unlike, uh, unlikely that uh, Republicans will actually gain back their majority in the lower chamber anytime soon. The Senate, that's a different story, and we'll try to get to some of that a bit later uh, as time allows in today's broadcast as the news keeps breaking and undermining, undermining all of my best laid plans. <laughs> That seems to happen a lot these days. All right, quick break, and we're back with more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. (laughs) 
What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com telling you the truth while your president is lying you into oblivion. Um, Abu Bakr uh, al-Baghdadi, the shadowy leader of the Islamic State group who presided over its global jihad and became arguably the world's most wanted man, died after U.S. special operators cornered him during a raid in Syria according to President Donald Trump on Sunday. Uh, now, I, I mean, normally you wouldn't have any reason to disbelieve an announcement like that from a president of the United States, but this is Donald Trump, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is at least the third time that someone has claimed to have killed Baghdadi. So uh, maybe this time it actually happened. Don't know. Uh, Russia seems to be disputing it, um, and apparently, as with uh, Osama bin Laden, when he was uh, caught and killed by U.S. forces under Barack Obama, uh, Baghdadi's uh, remains will also uh, or be or likely already have been uh, dumped into the sea. So whether we'll actually have any evidence seen by the American people, well, we'll see. In a national address... Donald Trump on Sunday described the nighttime airborne airborne raid that is said to have taken out Baghdadi in Syria's northwestern Idlib province uh, with American special ops forces flying over heavily militarized territory controlled by multiple nations and forces. No U.S. troops were killed in the operation, according to Donald Trump. He, uh, of course, sang his praises throughout this this announcement and his I, own praises, his own praises for yes. himself, not Baghdadi's praises. No, no. not the U.S. military. No, right. it's been Trump's praises. Right. And I should note that in November of 2012, specifically November 22, 2012, real Donald Trump at the time, citizen Trump at the time, had tweeted, quote, Stop congratulating Obama for killing bin Laden. The Navy SEALs killed bin Laden. Uh, I guess he forgot about that tweet from 2012, or he doesn't care, or he doesn't think anyone will remember. Guess what, Mr. President? We remember. In any event, as U.S. troops bore down on al-Baghdadi, he fled into a dead-end tunnel with three of his children, according to Trump, and detonated a suicide vest, killing himself and the children. He was a sick and depraved man, and now he's gone, Trump said. He died like a dog. He died like a coward. Trump spoke for 10 minutes, took questions for nearly 45 minutes thereafter, describing what he says um, uh, what, what he says he saw while watching the operation live from the White House Situation Room as it played out, quote, as though you were watching a movie. 
Trump suggested he may order the release of that video so that the world knows al-Baghdadi did not die uh, a hero and spent his final moments, quote, crying, whimpering and screaming. Al-Baghdadi's identity was confirmed by a DNA test conducted on site, Donald Trump said. I didn't know we could do on-site DNA tests now, did you? Well, apparently our, uh, our enemies in the world know that we can do that, too. Donald Trump said he did not follow convention in informing leaders on Capitol Hill, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, before the raid, claiming that he was uh, fearful of leaks. Pelosi said that the House, quote, must be briefed on this raid, which the Russians, but not top congressional leadership, were notified of in advance. And on the administration's overall strategy in the region, in the region, given that Trump uh, pulled U.S. troops out of northeastern Syria a week or so ago, leaving our Kurdish allies to the invasion of the Turks at the Syrian Turkish border, which Trump greenlighted that invasion by the Turks. So far, more than 100 Kurds have been reportedly killed since that time and since the U.S. has uh, pulled back and at least 100 ISIS prisoners previously held by those same Kurdish forces are said to have escaped in the confusion of the retreating U.S. forces. Trump also praised Russia and the Syrian government, both American foes, and defended his ban on entry to the U.S. from some Muslim-majority countries during his long press avail in his address from the White House, um, along with repeatedly singing his own praises for killing Baghdadi. Trump suggested that the killing was more significant than the 2001 uh, 2011 operation ordered by his predecessor, Barack Obama, the one that killed Al Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden who was responsible for the 9-11 attacks. Trump later repeated a false claim that he predicted the threat posed by bin Laden. Now, this is in this press conference. And he goes into this, and it's a false claim. I'll tell you in advance, it's completely false. I will debunk it after you hear the claim that he made, where he predicted, where he claims that he predicted the threat posed by bin Laden in a book before the 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center. Here's what Trump said about himself in that regard. I don't get any credit for this, but that's okay. I never do. But here we are. Um, I wrote a book, a really very successful book. And in that book, about a year before the World Trade Center was blown up, I said, there is somebody named Osama bin Laden. You better kill him or take him out. Something to that effect. He's big trouble. Now, I wasn't in government. I was building buildings and doing what I did. But I always found it fascinating. But I saw this man, tall, handsome, very charismatic, making horrible statements about wanting to destroy our country. And I'm writing a book. I think I wrote 12 books. All did very well. And <laughs> no, they didn't. I'm writing a book. World Trade Center had not come down. I think it was about, if you check, it was about a year before the World Trade Center came down. And I'm saying to people, take out Osama bin Laden that nobody ever heard of. Nobody ever heard of. I mean, really? al-Baghdadi, really? everybody hears because he's built this monster for a long time. But nobody ever heard of Osama bin Laden until really the World Trade Center. But about a year, you have to check it, a year, year and a half before the World Trade Center came down, the book came out. I was talking about Osama bin Laden. I said, you have to kill him. You have to take him out. Nobody listened to me. 
And to this day, I get people coming up to me. They said, you know what? One of the most amazing things I've ever seen about you <laughs> is that you predicted that Osama bin Laden had to be killed before no, he knocked down the World Trade Center. No, they don't. It's true. No, it's Now, not most true. of the press doesn't want to write that, but, you know. But it is it's true. not true. If you go back and look at my lie. book, I think it was the America we deserve. Uh, I, I made a prediction, and I, I... Let's put it this way. If they would have listened to me, uh, a lot of things would have been different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, there, there's a reason I, I, I subjected you to two minutes of Donald Trump lying about himself, because we're coming into an impeachment uh, proceeding about uh, this guy, possible removal from office, where he is going to be witness number one, a character witness for himself. And he is an unrepented, unstoppable uh, liar about any and all things, including things that are completely fact checkable. All of that statement, that entirety of that statement is all BS, all of it. And frankly, I resent the fact that I even had to take the time to play that clip and point this out. But I think it's important to explain just how sick and demented and twisted and frankly, dangerously delusional this president of the United States actually is to underscore yet again the need for his removal from office one way or another. Okay, so quickly to fact check this, uh, his uh, and, and a lot of folks are doing this today, AP, New York Times. According to AP, his uh, 2000 book, you heard him reference there, The America We Deserve, makes a passing mention of bin Laden, but did no more than point to the uh, al-Qaeda leader as one of many threats to U.S. security back in 2000. Nor does he say in the book that bin Laden should have been killed, despite the fact that he said just now over and over again that he claimed previously in his book that he was telling people to kill bin Laden and people are amazed to this day. They come see him and tell him how amazed they were that he was making that uh, claim way back when. The New York Times uh, noted in 2018 when they actually debunked a very similar claim that Trump made at the time. Uh, that Trump's claim that he delivered a prescient warning about bin Laden is hyperbolic. His book contains one single reference to bin Laden in 304 pages, uh, and it was part of uh, his criticism of what he considered Bill Clinton's haphazard approach to U.S. security as president. Trump wrote, quote, One day we're told that a shadowy figure with no fixed address named Osama bin Laden is public enemy number one. And U.S. jet fighters lay waste to his camp in Afghanistan. He escapes back under some rock. And a few news cycles later, it's on to a new enemy and new crisis. That is it. That's all he said. He did not call for further action against bin Laden or against al-Qaeda even to follow up on attacks that Clinton had ordered in 1998 in Afghanistan and Sudan after al-Qaeda had bombed the U.S. embassies in Kenya and Tanzania. The U.S. attacks were uh, meant to disrupt bin Laden's network and to destroy some of uh, the al-Qaeda infrastructure, like a factory in Sudan that was associated supposedly with the production of nerve gas. They missed, quote unquote, missed in the sense that bin Laden was not killed in that attack and Al Qaeda was able to pull off 9-11 three years later. Uh, but it shows that Donald Trump was already repeating Fox News nonsense even way back in 2000. 
uh, as to the claim that uh, nobody ever heard of bin, uh, Osama bin Laden until the really the World Trade Center, well, that's nonsense, too. And it's debunked by Trump himself in his own book, because in that same passage, he declared bin Laden to be public enemy number one at the time. Other than that, no one's ever heard of him. <laughs> So uh, New York Times noted last year after uh, similarly false remarks uh, from the president of the United States that the uh, Al Qaeda leader had for years been linked to numerous terrorist plots. He was regarded as one of the most wanted terrorists in the world, as Trump noted in his own book. Uh, They uh, conclude his fleeting mention of bin Laden was not exactly ahead of its time, as Trump seems to enjoy claiming now. It's so ironic, too, that, you know, Trump says that he hates the intelligence community and that they're terrible and dishonest and fake unless they hand him a victory that he can tout and then claim credit for. Suddenly he loves them and they're great. Yeah, it's almost as if he's a sick, depraved human being who shouldn't be allowed to be uh, in City Hall visiting to get a driver's license, much less... uh, President of the United States. By the way, I mentioned that uh, Russia is def- is um, expressing skepticism about the announcement on Sunday. Uh, the Defense Ministry says there was no rec- no recorded airstrikes in the Idlib zone, which they help uh, patrol along with uh, Syrian forces. Uh, they say that they are unaware of quote any alleged assistance to the passage of American aircraft into the airspace of the uh, Idlib de-escalation zone, as they call it, during this operation. Uh, the Russian Defense Ministry also suggested that Al Baghdadi's presence in the area would be unlikely because the territory is controlled either by the Syrian government or by an Al Qaeda affiliate that is a rival of ISIS. So don't know. Normally. I guess we could believe the president of the United States, except for the fact that he lies about everything and would have every reason to lie about this right now at this moment, given the trouble that he is now facing at home with a very serious impeachment inquiry that is getting um, seriouser by the minute. Let's uh, see how much of that we have time left for after a quick break here. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks.
back. It's the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. What co- well, I don't know what it says about uh, the world we live in right now where there is a shooting in uh, at a college party in Texas over the weekend with two dead, 14 injured in a shooting. I don't even have time to cover it at all other than to mention the headline. Yeah, it's shameful. Point. It's shameful that we have such a lying president that you have to cover all the lies of the president rather than stuff like that. Oh, and California is on fire. I can't cover that either. And I live in California. Los Angeles is on fire. I, can, I live in Los Angeles. I can't even mention that at this point for now other than to say the uh, fires in Northern California uh, I think it's called the Kincaid Fire, has doubled in size. There are some 4 million, last I heard, 4 million uh, people without power in Northern California because the uh, power company up there, PG&E, has turned off their power um, to avoid lines being knocked over in some uh, uh, w- winds that are up to, what, 100 uh, mile per hour gusts? They have I recorded heard? gusts of 102 miles per hour. This is an historic wind event in California, never before seen like this, on record at least. And uh, down here in uh, Southern California, in Los Angeles, they had to close one of the, uh, actually the largest uh, uh, freeway in the world, the busiest freeway in the world, the 405, as a fire broke out near the Getty Center, Getty Center, which houses uh, priceless, priceless art treasures. Uh, So, so far, I think no one has been killed in any of these uh, fires, but uh, they are ongoing and I can't even cover them. Because uh, Charles Kupperman, who worked as Deputy National Security Advisor until September, currently shares a lawyer with former National Security Advisor John Bolton, did not testify to impeachment investigators in the U.S. House on Monday as originally planned. He is instead waiting on a judge to decide whether he must comply with House subpoenas. Uh, Mr. Kupperman, yes, you must Anyway, he'll find out. Um, In a a letter sent Sunday by his lawyer, Charles Cooper, to the attorney for the House Intelligence Committee, Cooper assures him that Kupperman will, in fact, comply with the court's judgment if the court comes down on the committee's side, as I suspect it will. Cooper submitted a lawsuit on Friday in D.C. District Court asking the judge to decide if the subpoena is, quote, valid under House rules and whether Kupperman is covered under White House lawyer Pat Cipollone's assertion that he is, quote, absolutely immune from compelled congressional testimony with respect to matters related to his service as senior advisor to the president. I suspect he is not immune, at least if we can take anything from the uh, decision in a uh, a federal uh, district court on Friday, finding that, yes, Uh, People must comply, in fact. In that case, the Department of Justice must, in fact, comply with subpoenas, in that case, for the uh, uh, Robert Mueller testimony, uh, the grand jury uh, exhibits and, and so forth that was redacted from the original Mueller report. Our own Ernest A. Canning at Bradblog.com writes about that today and how the judge in that case absolutely dismantled, disemboweled the Department of Justice's legal arguments in that case. You can read that at bradblog.com. Hopefully we'll talk a little bit more about that in the days ahead. But the um, 
House Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff noted on Monday in response to Kupperman's not showing up uh, that there is a reason, he says, why the White House would not want Kupperman to testify. I think we can infer from the White House opposition to Dr. Kupperman's testimony that they believe that his testimony would be incriminating of the president. Um, It is also, I think, very plain, additional and powerful evidence of obstruction of Congress and its lawful function by the president that yet again and even after a court decision affirming the right of Congress to proceed with this impeachment uh, inquiry, the White House has obstructed the work of a co-equal branch of government. If this witness had something to say that would be helpful to the White House, they would want him to come and testify. They plainly don't. That's true. If he was going to uh, exonerate the president, they'd love to have him go there. But apparently he ain't gonna. Kupperman, uh, unlike Bolton, John Bolton, uh, actually was listening to the uh, infamous July 25 call between Donald Trump and the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky. Kupperman's legal gymnastics to avoid or at least delay testifying may signal how John Bolton will ultimately react if he is subpoenaed as well, and I suspect he just might be. They have been so far in talks with Bolton's lawyer about his testimony, and Bolton is, uh, after leaving the White House and having Donald Trump attack him, I can't suspect Bolton is much of a fan of this president. So he is uh, now considered a highly valued voice in this matter. Um, his name has been brought up time and time again during Ukraine. Um, the the top uh, U.S.'s top diplomat in Ukraine, Bill Taylor, during his explosive testimony last week. In those episodes, Bolton pushed back against the pressure campaign that the White House was running against Ukraine and uh, tried to get the White House lawyers uh, and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo involved in the escalating situation. But apparently they were already in on it and they were just fine with it, seemingly. Meanwhile, the impeachment inquiry continues to heat up with a report this uh, weekend confirming that the ambassador to the EU, Gordon Sondland, who was a Trump donor and a political appointee of Donald Trump. In fact, he testified to House committees back on October uh, 17 that, yes, Biden, uh, the Biden quid pro quo was, in fact, at the center of Trump's Ukrainian dealings. And then over the weekend, Vice President Mike Pence Uh, He had a telling appearance on Face the Nation on Sunday where he was asked four times whether he knew of the quid pro quo deal between uh, Donald Trump and uh, the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, uh, which top diplomats had described in their testimonies uh, in the House impeachment investigation. CBS News anchor Margaret Brennan asked Pence, no less than four times if he was aware that, according to the diplomats, Trump dangled nearly $400 million in military aid to Ukraine and a White House meeting in exchange for the Ukrainian government opening investigations into 2020 candidate Joe Biden and the uh, DNC's server in Ukraine. Each and every time, Pence would not answer. He kept coming up with something else to say. I don't have time to play the clip. I had wanted to play it because it's 
just embarrassing it's the lengths kind of that he goes to. Yeah, it, the, the the word salad that he throws out of, you know, these uh, the pablum that he tosses out trying to avoid answering, and he never does. So, yeah, he knew. Clearly. He knew. He also needs to be impeached. Of course, get rid of Donald Trump, get rid of Mike Pence, and who becomes the president of the United States? Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, in the meantime, uh, the Washington Post is reporting that uh, Republican senators in particular are, quote, lost and adrift as the impeachment inquiry enters its second month uh, as they try to navigate navigate a grave threat to uh, Donald Trump, largely in the dark, frustrated by the absence of a credible case to defend his conduct and anxious about the historic reckoning that likely awaits them. Likely awaits them because they are going to have to vote on this guy and whether he should be removed from office. And I know that the conventional wisdom, oh, Republicans will never vote to remove him. But I'm, I have never been sure that is the case. One veteran Republican senator uh, spoke on a condition of anonymity with The Washington Post to say it feels like a horror movie. At this point, all of the Republicans uh, in the Senate, for the most part, are trying to uh, avoid saying anything about it, claiming, well, I'm a juror, so I'm not comfortable speaking about this. That was James Risch of Idaho, Senator Lamar Alexander of Tennessee. Uh, who, by the way, is not running for a new term, so he may feel free to vote his conscience rather than vote for his party over his country. He said, in any event, I'd be a juror, so I have no comment. Tim Scott of South Carolina said, uh, I don't need a strategy for impeachment because I may be a juror someday. In the meantime, uh, while it has been the conventional wisdom that the uh, Democrats, uh, the Republicans would never vote to remove Donald Trump, that may change if um, independents are seen, uh, independent voters are seen as uh, moving against the president and in favor of impeachment. And yes, a Reuters poll late last week showed that support for impeaching Donald Trump is now soaring among independents. This story will continue and continue and continue. And we will hopefully be right here to cover it along with you. Uh, we got to get out today, however. So my quick thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. We hope you are smarter and better, better educated for it. Uh, if you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. You can also drop me email if you like. I am Brad. Uh, who am I? Bradcast <laughs> at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. Please find, follow, and share us there as well if you don't mind. Okay, that's it, or at least all we can fit into one single Bradcast. We'll be back with another one for you tomorrow. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.